Good morning, LifeBridge family and friends. Hope all of you are doing well, and we are grateful that you are tuning in to this uh, podcast, this video, one more time. Uh, we are grateful that uh, you are allowing us to minister to you, and uh, if there's anything that we can do above and beyond just putting information into your hands, we ask, reach out to us, uh, send us an email, let us know if there are things that we can do to continue to minister to you. And as always, our, our LifeBridge family members who, who are not here, who are still uh, worshiping at home, just know that we are praying for you. And uh, we know that the COVID thing is still going on and it's going to be part of our world. And you are taking the precautions needed to protect yourself. And uh, we understand that, but we still want to have the opportunity to minister to you. So if you have any needs, don't hesitate to reach out to us, to let us know. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this topic that is so relevant in our culture. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, that we have right now uh, to, to just open up your word. And God, there's going to be a lot of scripture today to, to feed our minds, to feed uh, hopefully our attitudes, Lord. Uh, on, on this topic of racism, uh, we've all been impacted by this in some way. Uh, and Father, I pray that today, as, as we just kind of walk through scripture, as we walk through your understanding of people and loving people, Father, I pray that today we will come away with a better understanding of your solution to racism. God, we know that your word is alive and it's active and it's powerful. So let it speak into our lives right now. We love you and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, I have an on this day in history notification that pops up on my devices, and it usually has something pretty interesting to share. Uh, now, on October 3rd, uh, which, you know, depending on when you're watching this, is uh, this is the day that we'll be gathering for our in-person worship. Um, some of you may remember something that happened on this day. Now, don't Google it. Don't search it. The year was 1995. And here's the thing. When I say this popular statement, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Remember this. If the gloves don't fit, you must, that's right, acquit. That's right. On this day in 1995, Johnny Cochran, the lead defense attorney for O.J. Simpson, uttered these words to the jury. And I remember being on the campus at North Georgia College and in the student union building, and it was more crowded the, uh, this day than any day that I can ever remember. I mean, the student union building always has a crowd, but on this day, walking through the student union building, it is packed. And every TV in there has a a crowd gathered around it because we are going to find out the outcome of the trial. And after four hours of deliberation, the jury found O.J. Simpson not guilty. 140 million Americans tuned in this day to watch as this verdict was delivered. In several polls that were given uh, that week and weeks following, uh, a great majority of African Americans 
believed Simpson to be innocent of the crime, while an even greater majority of white Americans were confident that he was guilty. And, and I remember being in the room, I remember that environment, and I remember the eruption once the verdict was read. There was a large group of people and they were cheering that he was found not guilty. And then there was other people who actually booed and they sat there in disbelief at, at our uh, judicial system. It's interesting to me that 26 years later, we are sitting here on this day and we are talking about race relations. As you are aware, on a national level, our country has experienced some pretty devastating riots and protests centered around racism. So today, we want to spend a few minutes talking about racism. Not so much the history of racism in our country, but we want to turn our focus to the discussion on God's solution to racism. Now, our country is not the first, nor will it be the last that struggles with its differences when it comes to race. But as followers of Jesus, the Bible has all the solutions to any issue that we face. And racism is real. It, it is very much a part of our lives on a personal level, and it's very much part of our lives on a national level. So, Let's talk about this for a few minutes. And I'm going to, just so you know, I'm going to move through several quick points today. And they're going to come up on the screen. Uh, they're going to be very short statements, and there's going to be a lot of scripture. Uh, you can always go back and watch this again if you miss some of the points. Uh, but we're going to move through these points rather quickly. Okay? So, with that, hey, what is racism? You know, many of us think we have an idea. Uh, we, we hear it from our, our news media. We, we get bits and pieces of it from uh, athletes and actors who, who talk about racism. Uh, but so that we are all on the same page, uh, I want to use this popular definition of racism. All right? Attribu attributing, how's that? Attributing to one race intrinsic superiority or valuing it above one another, and then treating others as undesirable or evil. Racism is about making quick judgments on the characteristics of a race to rate them as inferior or superior, demonstrating partiality or bias. So that's going to be our definition that we kind of work with. And so um, you can write that down. You can get the highlights of it. And, and it helps us to be on the same page when we're talking about racism for the rest of uh, this morning. Now, I also want to let you know that we have a guest speaker. And you're like, well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Um, I have reached out to, to my buddy, uh, Anthony Battle, down at the 1200 uh, Church of Christ in Tallahassee, uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, I've been there with him several times. I've done things uh, on a discipleship in our discipleship network. Uh, he's part of our coaching network that that uh, we are in, 
And I love this man. A man and I have spent time with he and his wife and his family. We just, it's just, he's an outstanding guy and a great family. Uh, he also happens to be African American. And so at the end of this, AB is going to join us. He's going to uh, give us some solutions and, and he's going to give his uh, thoughts on how we as white, predominantly white Americans can uh, kind of bridge that gap, extend that olive branch, build those relationships. So can't wait for his words. So the first point that we want to talk about and we need to understand about racism is that it is sin. Racism is sin. It is a massive, global, history-long, devastating, bloody, murderous problem. If you look at the history of our world, for example, the Armenian Genocide in Turkey in 1915, a million people slaughtered. The Holocaust in Germany, six million Jews slaughtered. The massacres in Rwanda in 1994, the Japanese slaughter of 6 million Chinese, Indonesians, Koreans, Filipinos, Indo-Chinese, uh, Indo a litany of history-long bloodletting, bloodletting all in the name of ethnicity or race. Millions upon millions of people have been slaughtered just because somebody thought or somebody's or people groups thought that they were more superior than they really are. When we value ourselves over others, we are living in rebellion to God and this is sin. Hey, the second point, racism comes from a fractured worldview rather than a godly or biblical viewpoint. When we reject God's view of life, we run the risk of devaluing all life, valuing some lives over others, treating some with greater or lesser value. Here's the thing, church. We must look through the lens and we must have a godly, biblical viewpoint. Anything else than that is going to lead to rebellion. It's going to lead to us living in sin. The third thing, racism divides. God's purpose is for you and I to have unity. You, you, several scripture passages throughout the Bible talk about unity. God has always wanted unity. And we, as followers of Jesus, are called to be a model for the world, not for the world to be telling us about how to act or to react to situations. So we should be doing everything we can to create unity as long as it lives within the confines of what Scripture teaches. And if we're striving for unity, that'll take place. The fourth point, racism is often taught. Now, now here's the thing. The sin nature that is within all of us certainly plays to uh, all sin that we participate in. But in many circles, racism is taught. But if racism is taught, that means that love and acceptance can also be taught. 
Nelson Mandela says this, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they learn to hate, they can also be taught to love. So with that in mind, if you're listening to this, no matter what ethnicity you might be, if you are a Christ follower, there are a few biblical points of emphasis that we need to remember when it comes to love. The fifth point this morning is that everyone is loved by God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The word world does not mean the physical planet that we dwell on. It is referring to the inhabitants, the people who walk around with us daily. The person who cut you off in traffic coming to church this morning, or the person who said mean things about your child are included in the people that God loves. Jesus was whipped. He was upon. He had the crown of thorns shoved upon his brow. As God's son is going through that, God still loved those people. For God so loved the world, that's all of us. And, and so what right then do we have to mistreat other people? The sixth point, the second thing to consider, uh, or, or the sixth thing to consider here is everyone is created by God and we are all made in God's image or likeness. John, uh, Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There are certainly evil, wicked, sinister people in the world. Some people live in constant rebellion to God. Some people live with just th this massive amount of hate for others. Some will never come to have a relationship with God, and that's just truth. We can't deny that these people are still created by God, and they are created in His image. And just because they are evil doesn't mean that we have the right to treat them any differently than we would our own children. Because our seventh point is that we are all one family. We are one family. Our core verse this week, um, Acts 17. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they could rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. The Bible is clear about this. Church, there is one race, and that is the human race. 
and, and you know, you guys know me, uh, I spend a lot of time going to, to different countries. I've been to Zimbabwe uh, six times. Uh, I've been to Ecuador uh, several times, or one time, and I've been to Mexico several times. That's actually where I am right now. Um, I, people are different. The, the, the shades of their skin are different. The accents of their voices are different. Uh, the hygiene practices are different. We are one race. And, and Mark Moore said this, our father is being scandalized because his children are practicing the worst kind of sibling rivalry. I, I, I can't. I can't treat people who are differently who are different than me, any different than I would my own children. We are one family. Dr. Charles Ware is co-author of a book called One Race, One Blood. And he encourages Christians to strive to live in grace relations, not race relations. And, and, and I love that. You know, I've, I've heard that before. I didn't know who to give credit to. But he, he, he wrote this book, and throughout the entire book, he is talking about how we are to show grace, and we're to live in these grace relations, not race relations. Because God has called all of us to show grace to all people. Because tremendous amounts of grace have been shown to you and I. So how do we do this? How do we actually live in grace relations? I mean, this is the thing that we're going to take with us when we walk out of this room. So the eighth point, how to live in grace relations is this. God calls us to take an interest in others. That's right. Like, I mean, it's not like I'm aware of that person or those people over there. God has called us to take an interest in others. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. When I start taking this seriously, when I'm starting to, to show that I am interested in you, it breaks down all kinds of walls. As many of you know, I uh, have now concluded a, uh, a little stint uh, working a part-time job at, at FedEx. And, and there's a guy right up the belt from me. His name is Charles, and Charles is an African-American man. And uh, I, I know nothing about Charles as I'm working down the belt from him. And there, there's really, it's, it's kind of hard to build a relationship because of the, just the pace. But over the months, as, as I've gone and, and I've, I've, I've talked to Charles and I've talked to him about his family, as, as I have taken an interest in his life outside of FedEx, it, it is not down it uh, walls of, of any type of racism. As a matter of fact, he's one of the men that, that I talk to extensively about this topic. Why was I able to do that? Because I had already shown an interest in his life. The ninth point, we're working towards living in grace relations. The ninth point, God calls us to show mercy to one another. The command by Jesus in Luke 6, 36, be merciful, even as your father 
is merciful. We have been shown tremendous amounts of mercy in our lives. I mean, it, it, we, we don't get the cross. We, we don't get forgiveness without mercy. And I'm telling you right now, without mercy, there, there is no eternal life. There is no heaven. There is no inheritance that we have. It flows through God's mercy and we are to treat others with the same amount of mercy. We're to be merciful just as our Father in heaven has shown us mercy. This is important because the 10th because the point then is that God calls us to practice forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, we, we, it's race tensions. We're going to be hurt. We're, we might be offended by some of the things that people say to us or how they treat us at work. We're not going to live in these grace relations without mercy and without forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Man, my wife has done a remarkable job of this in our 25 years of marriage. And, you know, she didn't go into it uh, saying, all right, this is how much forgiveness I have available to give to you. She makes allowances for my faults. She practices forgiveness. The 11th and final point, God calls us to seek unity. And that's not just within our LifeBridge family. That's not just within the people who show up to our, our uh, campus and, and worship together in person. God calls us to seek unity within the world that we live. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of other people or ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. It's become apparent that racial reconciliation will not be brought about through government programs. Every single election Race is one of the issues that gets brought up. Race, racial reconciliation is not going to be brought about through human, humanitarian propaganda. It's not going to be brought about through sensitivity training or integrated education. In fact, our human efforts in recent decades have largely encouraged ethnic groups to protect their own turf and demand their own rights. That's from our essay this week. It's not going to happen through any other means other than you. And God, as we have stated this many times at LifeBridge, God wants to use you to achieve this. The only way racial reconciliation will be achieved is when you and I, followers of Jesus Christ, when we make an effort. And here's the thing, church. We, we, we can't change whole communities. It's not going to happen that way. We, we can't go down here to Austinville Elementary and, and, and change the entire community. But we can make the effort one person in our world at a time. And so here's the challenge for you this week, church. And here's the challenge for you in the weeks to come. I want you to make an effort. Not as, a, as a, some charity case but as a calling and understanding that God hates racism and he wants to use you and I as the solution 
to racial reconciliation. So here's the challenge. Make an effort to establish and build healthy relationships with someone from a different ethnicity. And Michelle, Jesse doesn't count. Jesse, Michelle doesn't count. Y'all got to do that outside the marriage. My friend, Anthony Battle, I told you he was going to come on the screen. He's going to share with us now some ways that we can do this very thing, that we can establish and build a healthy relationship with someone who looks a little bit different than we do. All right, A.B., take it away. Hello, brothers and sisters. My name is Anthony Battle, and I am a part of the Relational Discipleship Network team of ministers that gather together every other week uh, to do life together and to uh, really preserve a culture of discipleship in our churches. And um, I was asked by Lancaster and Mike to uh, share for about five minutes on the solution to racism. And I thought, five minutes? Shoot, I can do that in five seconds. The, the solution to racism is Jesus. I think that was about five seconds. Uh, but I, I know you believe that Jesus is the solution, but uh, do you live like it? And uh, I really believe that uh, God's word is so true when it says that God has made every effort and we should make every effort to preserve the unity that he has established. You know, Jesus coming to this earth is an example of God himself making every effort and as Ephesians 1 says, he reconciled man to himself and man to one another. And uh, I remember seeing this effort lived out in 1985. I was a freshman in college and uh, I went to this church that now I'm a minister of. And, uh, and I saw for the first time on a Sunday morning, black folk and white folk worshiping together. Uh, it was about 50-50. Uh, black and white, and I couldn't believe it. I thought they were on drugs. I said, this can't happen in Tallahassee, Florida in 1985. And, um, you know, the, the, the reason why it came to be was just practically our white brothers and sisters went on campus, Florida A&M University's campus, which is a, a HBCU, historically black university, and they went and had life groups. And they walked on that campus and the African-American brothers were like, who are they walking on our campus uh, sharing their faith? And they boldly, unconditionally shared the gospel and people became Christians. And uh, I was a beneficiary of, of that effort. And uh, I just loved it. And I, and I couldn't believe it that God could really unify blacks and whites together for one purpose. And so um, I became a disciple of Jesus and was baptized uh, into Christ and started making every effort myself uh, to, to deal with racism and uh, to love unconditionally. I remember one time we had a bring your neighbor day. Okay, that was where you invited everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in town to come and have a great uh, worship and, and, and food. And, and I remember I was at the tire uh, shop and uh, I was waiting for my car to get done. And I looked over and I saw this big, muscular, white, redneck kind of guy. I mean, he was, he you know, he looked the part and I'm like, I'm not inviting him. I'm not wasting my time inviting this fella. 
And so I said, man, die to yourself, Anthony. Stop being prejudiced. And so I went up to him. I said, hey, I have an invitation for you. I'd love to invite you to our Bring Your Neighbor Day that our church is having. And he looked at it and he looked at me. He said, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And my heart just, I, I, I just felt so grateful, but also foolish that I judged somebody based on the way that they looked. And so um, that was just the beginning effort of, of me just not seeing color, not seeing social class, um, but seeing people. And, uh, you know, bottom line, uh, race is a social concept, not a biblical one. And so the real race is the human race. And so, you know, God has made every effort to reconcile himself to us and us to one another. And um, I want to ask you a question. What effort are you personally making to really give to the human race? And I pray that, that you can let your light shine on uh, every human uh, and do life together with every human um, that doesn't look like you, that don't look like you and, and, and don't have your background and are not in your social class. But I pray that you will follow Jesus and you will go where he would have gone. And that's to every man, uh, and no matter what color, no matter what background. And uh, that truly is a solution to racism. And, and, and as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have that solution. I love you guys. I uh, look forward to hopefully one day meeting you one day soon. But uh, you have an awesome day and God bless.